Hello, Orchard people. It's good to be with you today. You may be thinking, hey, that is not Daniel, and you're right. But my name is Doug Self. I'm Daniel's dad. He's taking a well-deserved time off after leading our church, gosh, so well, through these unprecedented times. And uh, he'll be back next Sunday. Don't worry. But today, we're going to look into something that I think will be very intriguing and hopefully very encouraging for you. Quarantine. Now, I bet no one had that word in their conversation a year ago, and yet, unfortunately, it's become very familiar to us. Quarantine, shutdown, stay at home, isolation. It's a different world, isn't it? With the fear of a virus or uh, financial reverses out there. Quarantine. Uh, remember March and April? Uh, I remember the last Sunday we met here. It was the f second Sunday, March 8th. And, um, and then by the end of that week, things were all shut down. It came in the middle of Lent. Uh, maybe you were giving up something for Lent. You were fasting from chocolate or social media, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, bam, quarantine comes, COVID-19. And you are fasting like you've never fasted before. Travel, eating out, income maybe, job loss, financial setbacks, uh, that's a fast. And we have been experiencing that during this quarantine. Now, a quarantine technically uh, is only for people who have uh, symptoms or tested positive for the COVID or whatever disease that may be. Uh, and the rest of us are in isolation. But quarantine is a good word for it um, because quarantine, that word, was used to describe what we call Lent. Uh, Lent, about 40 days. And quarantine comes to us from early days of shipping, where a ship would come into the harbor and be quarantined, uh, isolated for 40 days so that no disease, toxicity, would infect the other people in the harbor. Uh, the first Sunday of Lent is called the Sunday of Quarantina. Uh, Quarantine is simply a uh, transliteration of a Latin word, quarantina, that means 40. And Lent's usually around 40 days. And uh, from mid-March to April, uh, beginning of May, it was about 40 days. And so we, we were in that shutdown phase for about 40 days. Um, at the beginning of that time, I did a video posted on our uh, group site called What Kind of Person Will You Be When This Is Over? Because this shutdown uh, offered us an opportunity, uh, unprecedented actually. It offered us an opportunity to uh, step back from the business of life, to stop and take stock, perhaps to reorient or reprioritize. So many people I've talked with have said, you know, with so many things taken away that I usually depended upon for fun, excitement, uh, meaning, whatever, uh, taken away, I've had to reprioritize what's important in my life. And so many people have told me that they have had to uh, really step back into a deeper relationship with God to be able to get through that. Now, one way to take advantage of this time and uh, to come out of it a better person is to analyze our emotions during this time. I'm not talking about the things we did or didn't do, but simply 
uh, analyzing our emotions. Now think back through March, April, even May. Um, what emotions were most prominent in your life? Could have been certainly uh, anxiety about this uh, virus. Uh, who's going to get it? Well, I get it. Uh, worry, panic <laughs> over the stock market tanking, uh, fear, anger. And um, some of us are angry at the uh, government leaders and the way they're handling it. And some of us are angry because other people are affirming the way the government's done it. And we're angry at those people. And then most recently, angry, we could choose to be angry at uh, police brutality, uh, angry at rioters, looters. So those emo see, those emotions that happen during that time, we often don't take it time to understand or analyze them, but now you have that opportunity. So whatever feelings that you are thinking about, analyze those emotions. Uh, let me encourage you to take a sheet of paper and down the left-hand side, write down the uh, prominent emotions that you're aware of feeling during that time. Um, anxiety, fear, worry, uh, irritation, anger, grief, whatever that may be. And just to the right of those words, put down a number on, uh, you know, one to 10. How prominent was this emotion uh, during this uh, quarantine shutdown time for me? Some could be a one, two, three. Others could be like a nine or a 10. And when you, dis when you discover those uh, emotions that were up there uh, redlining, you're probably going to find uh, the negative emotions prompted you to uh, feel, uh, say, and do things that uh, were not good for you or anyone else. In fact, um, we all face temptations during this time of quarantine to uh, allow negative emotions to uh, exert influence over our words and behavior. We face temptations to sin. Now, there was a time of quarantine that the Bible tells us about, 40 days. When I say 40 days, you probably, oh, that was when Jesus went to the desert. Yes, you're right. And um, that was called a quarantine because it was 40 days. And so Jesus, uh, if you remember, before he went to the desert, uh, here's what happened in Matthew 4, it's described to us, Jesus went to the Jordan and there he was baptized by uh, John. And when he was being baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove, the Holy Spirit empowering him. And uh, a, a voice boomed from heaven and, and actually said, um, this, is my, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. And Jesus came out of the water, seeing the dove, hearing the voice. Everybody heard it. Wow, I'm ready now. I'm 30 years old. I'm raring to go, ready for the mission. I don't know what Jesus thought or expected would be next. But we all would think, I, uh, I got empowered. I got affirmed. I got an endorsement by God. I'm going to get with it. <laughs> no, time out. Stop. 40 days in the desert, Jesus he 
in fact, it says here, uh, Jesus was led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Now, that would not be my idea of how to spend 40 days. So Jesus, following the spirit, went into the desert to be tempted by Satan. Now, that was God's plan. That Jesus, who would be the Messiah, would face his enemy in the desert at a disadvantage of being hungry, perhaps emaciated and weakened. So the Bible tells us in uh, chapter 4, verse 3, after Jesus was hungry, uh, after 40 days of fasting, that the tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. You see, the first thing that he was chipping away at with Jesus was his identity, if you are the Son of God. Attempting to uh, get him to doubt his identity. Tell these stones to become bread. Now, I don't know, I don't think Jesus did this, but I would be seriously tempted to entertain some thoughts of some hot bread, a loaf fresh out of the oven. As I'm looking at this stone and thinking about all I got to do, say to it, come bread, be bread, and I will have something to eat. But Jesus did not entertain it for a moment. In fact, what he said uh, is recorded. Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy. He said, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Bam, right there. Plucked the scripture from Deuteronomy and used it against the tempt temptation, against the tempter, against the devil. Now, um, there, there's a new movie that came out, premiered Easter, called uh, 40. Yeah, the, the numbers 40, 40, uh, the temptation of Christ that I watched yesterday. It's available online. And uh, I was impressed how well it was done and how it sort of uh, filled out without violating any scripture, filled out what that must have been like, that contention between Jesus and Satan during that time. Very realistic. Now, you may not go along with everything that the uh, author and the director may have presented, but it will make you think. So the next temptation was that Satan took Jesus to the top of the temple in Jerusalem. Jesus, very aware of, of the temple, took him there to the very top. And it says that Satan says to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. And he quotes from Psalm 91. Satan quotes the word. He's, Satan says, well, Jesus, you quote. I can quote too. God will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So Jesus, do a high dive off the temple. It's like hundreds of feet down. And when you float down without being hurt at all, angels having lifted you up, all the people will be impressed and say, yay, yay, he's the Messiah, we want to follow him. Trying to get Jesus to do a stunt, publicity stunt, so that he would have the acclaim of the crowds. But Jesus answered back to him. Again, from Deuteronomy, he quotes, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then the last temptation, the third one, Satan took Jesus to a high mountain. Now believe it or not, in the Judean desert between Jerusalem and Jericho, uh, the highest peak in that desert wilderness area Today is called Mount 
Quarantina because of the 40 days Jesus spent there. So he took Jesus to the top of the mountain and it says that the Satan showed him uh, all the kingdoms of the world and promised to give Jesus rule over all of them if Jesus would just bow down and worship him. He's offering Jesus power and control. One caveat, just worship the devil. But Jesus didn't entertain it. He said, away from me, Satan. Again, quoting from Deuteronomy, third time. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then Satan left him and the angels came and attended uh, to Jesus. Um, and each of these temptations, Satan was trying to get Jesus to disqualify himself from being the Messiah by illegitimately using a godly power, first of all, to satisfy physical appetite. Secondly, to uh, gain popularity with the crowd. And thirdly, well, worship Satan pretty much uh, disqualified Jesus and um, he would not be able then as the perfect Lamb of God to die on the cross for our sins. We don't know what Jesus knew or thought at that time, but he was offered shortcuts. But he chose to go to the cross and to turn away from those temptations. And we face some of those same temptations, don't we? Unfortunately, a lot of the time we are tempted to satisfy physical desires in an illegitimate, ungodly way. Whether or not we cave to that temptation. Uh, we're tempted to do, say things, live a life, uh, get in a career, uh, do whatever it takes to get people to like us. And then we also would love to have power and control over other people and over circumstances. We can identify with those temptations. But there are other temptations that we face. Let me just ask you, was Satan active during your time of isolation in your quarantine? Did Satan attack you? Now, some people think that Satan's attack uh, his attacks are primarily, uh, you know, my Wi-Fi shuts down, my hard drive is fried, car won't start, you know, things like that. Well, I don't even think Satan has the power or authority to do stuff like that, or even to make you sick. Because when Jesus died on the cross, rose again, it says that he took Satan, all the enemy captive, and disarmed them. Now, that doesn't mean that Satan is powerless but it means he has to redirect what he's doing in an attack, not physically, but primarily in your mind. Uh, for example, do you ever have a thought that, um, well, let's just say, I was talking a moment ago about someone having offended you. And you, in your mind, you play that back, you review that, you hear the words of offense, the words that are hurtful, you see what you said back and forth, and then you sort of subtly change it so that what you say really puts the person down. Um, you have succumbed to a temptation to anger, retribution, resentment, and bitterness. That's, that's an attack. 
that thought presented to your mind about that hurt to review it, that's the attack. And that's where he seeks to take us out. In, in fact, let me just go to uh, Ephesians 4, where it's very clear that uh, anger is a doorway for Satan. Here we go. Uh, verse 26 of Ephesians 4. In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. How many of us in a state of anger have said and done things that later we really regretted. They were harmful for us and for other people. As you think back through those emotions that we talked about um, that you may have uh, found yourself dealing with through the isolation, think back through those. How did you respond? How could you respond? Well, like Jesus did. Now, Jesus knew the scriptures well enough that he was able to pick those particular ones that were strong against the temptation. In fact, eventually caused Satan to leave. Do you know the word of God uh, well enough to be able to pick some verses that you can use to refuse and refute the temptations that are presented at the doorway of your mind? Um, what could some of those be? Well, let me, let me just uh, give you some, uh, some examples and some ideas. Uh, let's, say, let's say anger is one of the uh, emotions. Uh, you may call it irritation, being perturbed, uh, other words, but anger. What verse could you use in a defense against the temptation to become angry? Well, in James 1, 19, it says this. Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a person's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. You see, in your marriage, God's got a righteous intention that you and your spouse will be living in harmony and love, companionship. Uh, that'll be a taste of heaven. That's, God's, that's, that's the righteous life God desires. It's not a religious thing. And when our anger enters the picture. It's like God is prohibited from working in that context. I'd rather keep my anger away from it. Let God work in me and the other person so that he can bring about the righteousness that he desires, which is very enjoyable for me. So what if one of the temptations that you face was uh, fear? Fortunately, we've got some verses that deal with that. In 2 Timothy 1.7, this verse, for God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. That's, that's you, not a scared person, not a timid person. You can draw upon scripture resources. Hopefully during this time of limited activity, we're still not out of the isolation altogether. Hopefully during this time, you can study God's word well enough in fact, if you go back to that list that you made of the emotions that you were primarily concerned with during the isolation, there's probably not more than half a dozen. And you can look those words up and then find scriptures that deal with each of those. Arm yourself, prepare yourself with the word of God. It's the sword of the spirit. So let's look at 
how do we respond when we're presented with a thought and that thought, once we recognize it, could bring us into feeling angry or fearful, anxious, worried, could lead us into temptation of lust, uh, misusing alcohol, abusing food during this time. So let's look at the pattern of Jesus that he gave us during his quarantine of how he responded to temptation. Now, first of all, refuse, refuse the temptation. And in, that, in our case, it's usually the presentation of a thought that is uh, designed to cause us to anger or fear or lust, whatever that may be. Refuse the thought when it first is presented to your mind as an attack and temptation of the devil. Refuse the thought. Secondly, refute it. Speak God's word against that temptation. Now, probably one time is not going to work because it seems like those tempting thoughts come in a swarm, right? And so you may find yourself needing to machine gun that temptation. That's not that you have to use all different verses, but you simply stand and use God's word against that thought that's presented to your mind. You don't process it. You don't let it run through your mind. Uh, if you take the bait of a, of a picture of the presentation of when someone offended you and you run it through a 30-second video clip, you're going to elevate your blood pressure and your heart rate, and you're going to be dragged into anger, resentment, and then bitterness. You're down. You've fallen. Don't let that thought through. Do not entertain it. Refute it. And then you reach up to God. You refute the thought. Reach to God. And you refresh your identity in that crying out to God, God, I need your strength. This temptation that's coming at me is where I'm vulnerable. I need your strength as I stand against it, refuse it, and refute it. You're refreshing your identity as a beloved son or daughter of God. You see, God doesn't want you getting taken out and beaten down by the enemy. He wants you to be lifted up. He'll give you strength to continue to hold strong against that temptation. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die to forgive your sins. Certainly that happened, and your sins are forgiven. But you were restored to a relationship with God as your heavenly Father. You're in the family. You are one, he says. This is my son. This is my daughter, whom I love and in whom I'm well pleased. Now, you're going to be able to stand stronger against temptation if you're sure in your identity of who you are. And then to understand what you have access to in that relationship. When Jesus died on the cross, like I said, it wasn't just that your sins were forgiven. It wasn't just that you were restored to relationship. But by the Holy Spirit coming to indwell you, you were given access to resources that are supernatural, that you can use any moment to deal with life. Supernatural resources. In fact, uh, it, it's your new nature. Let me give you a description of your new nature. It's in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. And it's called the fruit of the Spirit. And, and I, I don't know that many Christians actually 
take these in and activate these. Uh, understand that they're provided for you as your inheritance. They're paid for. They're yours. The fruit of the Spirit describes your new nature. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. How would you like to know you had that array of resources, supernatural resources, to use when there came a time of a disturbance in your life, a challenge, an opposition, something that otherwise would have scared you and you would have run that fear through worry. And yet, because your new nature is characterized by love and joy and patience and kindness and goodness, you simply respond out of your new nature. In fact, it's now your native language. Your native language now is love. Enjoy, even when circumstances aren't to your liking. Now, your, your old nature language was probably uh, complain and blame and resent and attack and hide. But that's your old nature. It's passed away. God's given you a new nature, and you can choose to speak your native language of love and joy and peace, regardless of what's going on in your life or what's happening. That's who you are. That's your identity that Jesus died to provide for you and empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's time to activate what you have been incubating during this quarantine, during this shutdown. Um, you perhaps, and we're not out of it yet, you still have opportunity to do this time where you analyze and look at your emotions. You work through this and realize how to resist the temptation. You can, a person can simply try to endure this shutdown or you can procure it as an opportunity to put your roots down deep into your Heavenly Father and to draw up that nourishment that is your spiritual identity. During this time, it's, it's either time to incubate or deteriorate. Uh, how many people do you know? Well, we don't have that much interaction, but I guess we can tell by social media whose character, demeanor has deteriorated down into sullenness or anger, resentment. You see, we can incubate that nurture, that new nature of ours, and bring it forth. Forty, forty quarantine is such an opportunity for us, and it's time to activate what we nurture during that time, to activate, activate what we have incubated. It's incredible when you look at the life of Jesus, uh, during that 40 days after his baptism, after he came out of that desert time, he exploded on the world. I mean, he came out of it strengthened in his mission, and he began to touch and heal lepers, raise the dead, teach the good news with authority, make the blind to see, the deaf to hear. Wow! Now, I don't know that you'll do all that, but you can activate what you've been incubating if you've taken that time to sequester yourself by the Spirit of God and the Word of God and activate love and joy and peace and patience in your life, 
and to those around you that you do come in contact with. You see, 40 was always an opportunity for change when we look at it in the Bible. The uh, Israelites came out of Egypt and they were, they were slaves with a slave mentality. But after 40 years in the desert, their whole identity, their faith had changed so they became a force to be reckoned with. And, and sweetly, think about in gestation, a woman bears in her womb 40 weeks and then gives birth to new life. You can come out of this with a newness of life, being renewed and refreshed in your spirit, activating what you've been cultivating during this time of isolation. Let me pray for you. Almighty God, thank you that your love for us is such that it identifies us as your son or daughter gives us a solid place to stand and incredible resources with which to withstand against whatever comes against us. Thank you so much that Jesus didn't capitulate during that desert time, that he continued on resisting, well, refusing and refuting those temptations, always knowing that he was your son. And Father, I pray for our people that we will take that knowledge of our identity, that we are loved. We're never alone. You're with us to provide for us all we need to be the kind of person that Jesus died that we could become. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been so good to be with you today. Take this teaching, uh, incubate on it, cultivate it. Know that God loves you. Love God and love people.